Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I'm pleased to introduce my special guest, Helen Maffini. Helen is the director of MindBee Education. Her life's mission is to improve the lives of children by working in the area of social and emotional fitness and wellness. Helen is an NLP practitioner, a certified emotional intelligence coach, and positive psychology coach. She is the author of the book, Developing Children's Emotional Intelligence, as well as several other children's books. She has lived in 13 countries around the world, which has helped her to understand how children thrive. Helen has worked with education reforms at the government level with schools, international organizations, and coaches and trains parents. Helen, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Sue, for having me. I'm really happy to be here. It is my pleasure. So as you and I have talked about, mindfulness is such a powerful tool for both children and adults. It can be described as a mental state focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations. It's so important for all of us. Helen, let's talk about how children can foster mindfulness practice in their daily lives and really hone in on those benefits that they might receive from that. Great, yes. My favorite topic in the world. Um, As you know, I'm uh, really a strong believer that if we can help young children uh, and all children to develop these skills in life, that they're going to just have this great toolbox to take them through some of the harder times and be able to cope and live, you know, a more happy and fulfilling life, which is what the research is is starting to show us. So I think, you know, when you when you get to our age, or I think I'm probably a bit older than you, but we start to think, wow, imagine if we'd known this when we were five or six or eight. So I think um, I just want to say that, first of all, that it is something that is really powerful. But I also want to say it's, some, it's not something, it's not magic. Uh, it's not something that's going to fix every problem in everybody's life, which I think sometimes the, uh, in the media, there's a lot of attention on mindfulness and, and it seems a bit like a magic one that you just do it a few times <laughs> uh, and, and things will improve. I just wanted to put that in perspective. It's something that takes time uh, to develop. First of all, for your listeners, if you're not familiar with the practice, I, I want to encourage you to, you know, don't give up too soon. Just try small, tiny steps to bring it into your own life and also into your child's life. And one of the things I always like to point out is it's really important for parents to develop their own practice in mindfulness. That might be like, oh, another thing I have to learn or I don't have time to do that. I'm a really busy mom or dad. But I think we, you, you know as parents, if you really 
dig into things that kids really absorb uh, what we model and what we show them rather than a lot of times what we tell them to do. So developing your own practice and it can just be a very small thing that you don't have to start meditating for one hour a day or take a course or do anything. Use app to, to start off just doing a one or two minute meditation or just noticing your breath and, and giving yourself that little bit of space between when your emotions are coming in strongly and when you when you want to react. We can talk a little bit more about that later. And then, of course, there's lots of very practical things we can do with our children as well to help them develop these skills. I want to just highlight a few of the things that you said that are super important. I think the key factor is in order for children to have a mindfulness practice, it's really important for the adults in their lives to adopt a practice and to model such great ways to take care of ourselves for our emotional health and well-being. And you also mentioned in in different wording that it takes baby steps, that we don't develop a mindfulness practice from zero to 100 overnight, just as we don't build muscles in the gym overnight. It takes time to really work on our practices, whatever those skills are, whether it's lifting weights or creating more mindfulness in our lives and more space. So I think that's a really important focal point for those that are just starting out. And yeah. then you also mentioned the breath. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the breath because I think for so many people, Helen, that's, that's something that's with us all the time. We always have it. It's not a tool we have to go search for and it doesn't take a lot of time. So in your experience, can you tell us about our breath and how we can use that in more of a, in the moment, you know, need to create some space and some pause in our life? You know, for me, this has been the thing that has worked the best for me and that I started practicing, you know, quite a few years ago. And then one day thought, you know what, this is really working. This, like I would have really reacted and, and, I, and I'm not anymore. So not to say that you're not going to, you know, we all still lose it sometimes. We all still um, have those moments. You know, I like to interview all kinds of people and it doesn't matter who they are, what kind of expert they are, they all still say that they lose it sometimes. So it's less frequent and we can use this tool that's with us. I would suggest, you know, especially what I found really helpful is before going to bed. I like to do some deep breathing before going to bed. And all these things are just very simple. So, you know, taking four deep breaths in and then holding for seven and uh, releasing again for four. And people do it in all different numbers, but that's the, the way that I like to do it. I like to have a long hold and I can literally feel the stress kind of disappearing out of my body and it really does help if I do that five or six times before I go to sleep it's kind of just a habit now that I I I just automatically do that but we can also use it you know in the day when when we're in a situation that's annoying us or we feel anxious or worried or mad and this happens all the time when you're working with young children because you want to keep them safe and for 
all different reasons, right? I think just being able to recognize that moment and then to take some breaths and kind of breathe in. I like to use my fingers to have a physical, you know, touch there and just kind of breathe in and out along my fingers uh, before I react and either say something that I didn't mean to say or do something that I didn't want to do. So it kind of just brings that little moment into the your awareness and it gets easier as as you do it and, and it does not always work, I'll tell you that, but it is a great way to put a little distance between yourself and the situation so that you can react in a way that's more helpful rather than joining in with whatever it is that you are not liking. Sometimes, you know, if a, a child's getting angry, you getting angry back does not actually help the situation. So it's, it's a way to kind of create that little bit of distance before you push the child in, in a way that might be more helpful. I think that's, that's beautiful. And uh, in the work that I do worldwide, we talk a lot about it creates a pause, a pause in our overreaction, our knee-jerk reaction, our emotional reaction, and gives us the opportunity to become intentional in our reaction Mm -hmm. by just giving yourself those few seconds to take a breath. And the thing I love about this is it shows our children as they're exploding perhaps or having a tough time that we don't join them, we're breathing, we're stopping. And they're not going to do it if we tell them to do it. Hey, stop, take a deep breath with me. (laughs) But when they see us quiet and breathing, they might later say, what were you doing? Ask some questions that gives us more of an opportunity to share with them and teach them a skill because they've asked as opposed to share with them, you should do this when you get upset And it will really help you to just focus on your breath. And then when they get upset, we're yelling at them, breathe, breathe, breathe. And in my experience with parents worldwide, that doesn't really help because the kid doesn't want to hear breathe, breathe, breathe when they're upset. They're breathing in their own way, but they're they're also angry. So that doesn't teach them in the emotional moment. The breath is one I use too, Helen. I'm a big fan of, I take three breaths and equal in and out, um, three long, deep breaths in and out. And it does let out the stress, the frustration, the anxiety, the fear, whatever that feeling is. And I think it's something that's with us all the time. So if you're driving down the highway and the car in front of you does something awkward and it stresses you out, or the traffic is really heavy and you hate traffic, then it gives you an opportunity to develop a new focal point that doesn't take you away from your driving skills, but relaxes you in a different way. And if our children could gain these things through the parental modeling, through our schools being part, taking part in this, and just enhancing the realm of what they interact with in terms of these modeling opportunities of mindfulness. So when you see schools, Helen, I'm I'm curious as to what you see them teaching children or what you'd like to see them uh, (laughs) teaching children. In terms of a few mindfulness practice, what, what are your favorite go-to mindfulness practices through schools? I work with quite a few schools and 
the area that I do the most work with is in early childhood, uh, children as young as two and up to six. And I, I do work in primary schools as well. But I really love the idea of very young children kind of being exposed to different things. So what I've seen, uh, and I have a curriculum as well for, for young children, and what we do in there is bring in aspects of being kind to ourselves and being kind to others. And we do that by showing pictures and talking about what what kindness looks like, reading storybooks, and then planting a kindness tree in your classroom and getting kids to notice when other kids are kind or when their parents are kind or a teacher is kind and you can build up this kind of tree and really people start to notice and it changes the culture of the class and the school when everybody's looking for kindness and they do find it. So that's one of the things that I really love to do to kind of start off because it's something that's easy to understand uh, for young kids and you know they start to really start searching but we also like to do lots of fun uh, breath work and to bring it in all these things just really simply it doesn't have to be a big formal thing but for example when uh, if you're in a preschool and it's circle time getting something called the Hoberman spear which is a kind of ball that goes in and out is a symbol for our breath and kids just love to pull this ball in and in and out it's called a Hoberman's beer and they're very cheap on um, Amazon but that is a is a great way for kids to start to notice their own breath is by having that physical toy to kind of breathe in and out with other things we do are using bubbles you know to breathe in and, and out and noticing if you uh, breathe if you breathe out more deeply you're going to get a big bubble if you breathe out very quickly you're going to get lots of small bubbles so it's just about building that kind of awareness of the breath and then there's all kinds of fun ways to teach children about their breath like you know pretending to smell a flower and then blow a dandelion or if you have a, a cup of hot chocolate and, you know, smelling, breathing in that hot chocolate and then cooling it down by blowing out. So I always encourage people to keep things very short and, and fun and, and just bring them into little moments throughout the day, not making this a great big, you know, one hour lesson where kids have to sit and breathe and, and do things, but just keeping it really playful so that the interest and the motivation is there for kids and and they love it. And another thing I like to do is bringing that attention to what we're hearing. Um, so listening. So um, if you have a bell and then you can, you know, get the children to really be quiet and listen and see what they hear and I always remember when I, last October I was in Hong Kong which is quite a noisy place and this little boy said there was a bird that and it was never there before and it was so funny to me because there you know the bird has always been there but it's the first time that he'd 
that he'd heard it because it was because he was listening so carefully but going on mindful walks and if you're a parent this is a really lovely thing to do is to go out in nature and then just really ask your child to listen and then talk about what are those different sounds so you're bringing attention to what's going on in the present moment and kids are so naturally curious and and they love these things when it's kind of made into a game but it really does help to develop that skill that that's naturally there of focusing and and noticing on on what's going on the other game that they love to play is I get a tambourine and pass the tambourine around and the the goal is not to not let it make a sound so they have to you know notice how they're holding it and move it very carefully kind of around the circle and then it's about discussing what happened and how did they feel and what did they notice during those activities those are just a few I could go on and on for hours <laughs> and, and those those are beautiful while you were talking I was actually smelling hot chocolate when you were describing the hot chocolate <laughs> and I think I think you have touched on so many wonderful things our senses so it's yeah. not just our breath, our senses that are with us all the time. Yeah. We don't have to go out and buy something because we actually own these senses. They're part of us. Can really foster such a beautiful mindfulness practice by tapping into them, by listening, by touching, by smelling. All of these things give us the opportunity to experience the present moment, to experience oh. more awareness in that mental state and to really create calmness in our bodies minds and souls when we are not feeling so calm or just throughout our day as a regular practice like we talked about in terms of building these muscles and I think I think you you've talked a lot about young children and I think those who are listening who have older children who have not yet learned some of these skills utilizing the the senses in a way that serves them so it may not be the hot chocolate, or perhaps it is, but it's really bringing a conversation around to what they can smell in that moment. If you're out on a camping trip, all observing together what you see, what you hear, how it feels. If you are taking a walk, just as you do with little children, you can do the same thing with big, children, big, big people, adult children or young adults. Yeah. And really ask them what they see, what they hear. Or you can point out yourself how beautiful the sky is. I'm a big sunset fan. So I am always admiring the sunset. And I feel like it takes me away from anything and everything. It's like a huge escape in a very calming way. I think the, the one thing I would love to kind of wrap up around is let's just briefly talk about how these mindfulness practices, whether it's, you know, as simple as our breath or more involved with, you know, using a ball or using a tambourine or anything else. Let's just name a few things that are long-term benefits of these practices. Helen, if you wouldn't mind sharing it with us. Uh, just to comment on what you said, and I mean, it, exact, exactly the senses are so important. That includes uh, mindful eating as well, which we have a lot of obesity problems everywhere now because of people eating mindlessly. So that's another another sense that's a great one to bring in and really 
take the time to notice those flavors and think about where the food has come from and, and things like that. Going on to the benefits, uh, more and more research is coming out in schools and there's a huge base of research based on uh, people using mindfulness with the MBSR program for, for health. I would say it really, it can be tr quite transformational. It can definitely help with lowering anxiety, helping people overcome fears and physical pain. Those are some of the ones that we hear more about with, you know, use in the MBSR program. But with children at home and at school, we have found that children are calmer, they get better sleep, they're happier. And this actually really helps them with their academic schoolwork because they're able to focus much more easily and pay attention to what's at you know what's needed at the time. So it's actually shown to have a great benefit on their academic work. But other things that have come up, children are more empathetic, kinder, um, and a lot of the, those pro-social skills are developed through this practice of mindfulness. So I think I'm a big um, <laughs> proponent of bringing this into, into classrooms and into schools, but I think equally it has to be something that, you know, it happens at home, it happens at school, and we all work together to learn these skills for ourselves and also for the kids that we work with or, or our own children at home. And I think that's, that's beautiful. And if we can reduce the, the emotional upheaval that we sometimes feel, the anxiety and the fear on a day-to-day -day basis in our lives, just imagine how different this world would be. So it really takes a village to raise a child and it takes the world to kind of shift the attention and the focus away from the fear, the anxiety, the stress that many in this world experience and really reduce it and bring much more kindness and empathy, as you explained, into our everyday interactions with one another. So beautiful, beautiful. So, so much value to creating a mindfulness practice. And again, as, as we talked about in the beginning, I think for our listeners, it's very important to take baby steps, to be gentle with yourself, to be patient, to pick one thing that you'd like to focus on and just do that so that you do become good at that one thing and can model that for your children and also receive the benefits for yourself in terms of reducing those things that we mentioned. So beautiful. Your work in this world, Helen, is just so important. And I'm honored to, to know you, work alongside of you, speak with you, and really create what we both feel is so important in this world today. So I would love to invite our listeners to check out your website, which is mindb-education.com. Again, that's mindb-education.com. And Helen, before we close, are there any parting words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners that you haven't already shared? Just the last thing I'd like to say is a lot of people get overwhelmed. They, uh, they hear about all of the benefits and how in the media a lot and, and they try to meditate and their mind wanders off and they, they think that they can't do it. And so I would encourage you, as Sue and I have both said throughout this podcast, number one, 
just do something small, just do one minute and also keep doing it. You know, don't give up after a week or a day. <laughs> just find that that one minute. It takes time to create the habit and for the pathways in your brain to change. But I think if you can, you know, start with a minute and then build up to two minutes, that's what's going to be helpful and and work for you rather than trying to say I'm going to start with 30 minutes every Monday and then get distracted or feel unhappy that you you couldn't manage that amount of time so really those baby steps I think are are so important and the last thing I want to say is to be compassionate with yourselves parents especially you know we we beat uh, we beat ourselves up and think we could have done better and why didn't I do this and uh, why did I say that? You know, we're all doing the best with, with what we've got. And if you miss a day or you did, you know, something, it's okay. It's uh, You need to forgive yourself and, and move on and then just restart that practice again because it does take a little bit of time, but it doesn't take that much time. So you should start to see a difference in benefits, I would say, within two or three weeks of, of doing that uh, very short practice. So I hope uh, that helps. And I just want to say thank you to Sue for this podcast and for inviting me on and for all the work that you're doing as well, which is really amazing. Thank you, Helen. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes or wherever you listen in. And be sure to visit DeCaroParentCoaching.com for a free download of 10 ways to connect with your child.